You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit oasiswaterloo.org. Are there any coffee snobs here? Any coffee snobs? Oh yeah, now I know Nathan is. Oh, you, oh a few coffee snobs in that corner. Anyone a good old, let's have a cup of just ordinary tea? Come on. That's what we're talking about. Do you always have that cup of tea at the same time, by the way? What time? When you wake up. Genius. Imagine if dye was just pouring it over your head. Dick. Um, uh, before, so this is, it is relevant, by the way, that question I just asked. But just to remind you, if you don't know, Steve and I do a podcast. Great. Um, and uh, discovered yesterday that Steve's eldest, Emily, where is she? Doesn't even listen to it. So, uh, so that needs to change. Anyway, it's called Different with Steve Chalk and Jill Rowe. If you just put different in, there'll be a million other things that come up. So, um, yeah, so do have a, have a listen. And one of the reasons I say that is because um, what we're going to talk about today, Steve and I touched on in one of the podcasts, and I can't even remember if it's, I don't even know if it's come out yet, but um, it may be this Wednesday that that episode comes out. But anyway, it's on all good outlets for podcasts, or whatever you say about them. So I asked you when you had your uh, first cup of tea, um, we all have these rituals in the mornings, don't we? Like cleaning your teeth. Do you make your bed? Who makes their bed before they leave home, yeah? Yeah, it changes the day, right? Make the bed, everything's good in the world. Um, Make your bed, make sure it's tidy, clean your teeth at a particular point, probably take the same route to work if you go into an office or to school or wherever it is you work. You probably, uh, if you wear makeup, you may do that in the kitchen, possibly. I've seen people do that. Um, Do you put your clothes out the night before? Does anyone do that? Oh, my word. Love it. We've got some serious people in... Um, anyone check their socials, their, um, like Facebook and that first thing in the morning? Yeah, that little addiction that we have that we're scared to admit. You do it as well, yeah? Yeah, first thing. It's really weird, isn't it? We have these rhythms and these rituals. The things that we do every day uh, that shape, shape and provide structure uh, to our lives, we probably do it without even realizing. They provide shape and structure to our day, a bit like a a trellis that a plant would grow up. Um, Some of you will have seen this video before. I really hope it's going to play. Maybe. Here we go. No, not that. I don't want that.
think she was learning the cha-cha-cha? It's so cute, isn't it? It's obviously like her parents have said, right, do this. And then she's doing those little steps. It's really sweet. I just want us to hold that. Uh, I know it seems a bit random, but what she was doing, I want us to think about when we think about what constructive uh, discipleship is. Um, I want us to hold that to help us think about it. Um, I think I've, I've told this uh, story before, but and when um, we opened one of the academies in Bristol, I had to, uh, Oasis Academies in Bristol, I had to go down and do some pre-work with the uh, teachers, all the staff, because the culture wasn't as it uh, needed to be, um, so we needed to make a start on that. Had a really good day, and at the end of the day, one of the members of staff there took me into a darkened room uh, where the light bulb didn't work and the only light that did come through was through that, you know, s the school doors that have a pane of glass in. And, uh, so, um, and she sat me down and she looked at me and she just pointed at me and she said, you're a Christian, aren't you? Just slightly threatening. Um, and I was like, oh, uh, yeah. And then she asked me what I think's the most brilliant question. She went, well, what is that? What is that? To which I said, well, I think I'm trying to follow the way of Jesus and it looks like just trying to make the world better. But it was a great question. What is that? What is that? To understand what discipleship is, I think it's really important to understand the role of, like, have a bit of a historical understanding about the role of a rabbi and their followers. Um, but before we do that, when we were setting up in here this morning, Tim, who's up there, uh, Tim's daughter, Caitlin, was following Tim around, and um, basically she set everything up. How old is she, Tim? 12. So she was doing all, the, all of this. <laughs> Genius. And then uh, there was a problem with the, you know, getting something up on the visuals. And Nathan just went, oh, we could get Saren to fix that. Because she sat up there so much and watched how to do things. And then I just suddenly my brain leapt to how brilliant a cook Abby Dutton is. She's a brilliant cook. <laughs> I think a lot about food. And, and, uh, and I was thinking, of course she is, because she watched Corny, and Corny's a brilliant cook. The way of the rabbi is someone who does stuff and has people around them who are watching and learning and following what's happening. So a rabbi is a teacher. This is going to get messy, by the way, what's going to happen now. The rabbi is a teacher. I'm not going to throw it at you. Calm down. <laughs> rabbi was a teacher. And a rabbi had... Um, I am going to clean this up. Don't worry. Um, the rabbi had followers. And those followers were known as disciples. Followers of the way of the rabbi. So the rabbi would be walking along dusty paths, not flower, dusty paths. And as they walked, their followers 
would try and get as close as they could to their rabbi. They wanted to get as close as they could to their rabbi because they believed that their rabbi knew everything that they needed to know. Not just knowledge, but about the way that they lived their whole life. Everything about them. The things they said, the things they thought, the way they treated people. Everything, their attitude, their actions. And so their followers, their disciples would try and get as close as they could and literally get covered in the dust of their rabbis that was flicking up from their sandals. Be dusty with the dust of your rabbi. Be dusty with the dust of your rabbi. And every rabbi had teaching and their teaching was their yoke. Their teaching was their yoke. So their followers, their disciples, were into what their rabbi was like, the whole of who they were, but also took on the beliefs of their teaching, tried to wrestle with what it was that their rabbi knew. Basically, they wanted to inhabit the way of life of their rabbi, to follow it, to copy it, to learn it. The closer you are to the rabbi, the more dusty you are. The more you're able to learn the dance, the cha-cha-cha. And Jesus uh, was a rabbi. Jesus was a rabbi. And he called, as we heard in that reading, he called his disciples. But they were the fishermen and the tax collectors and all the ones that the education system had left behind. All those people that Jesus called were the ones that other rabbis had not accepted or taken on. Jesus took into his school, into his following all of the left behind. And then he said this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there's something different in there about this rabbi. Discipleship. The act of living the way of Christ. The goal of the Christian life is to love well, right? That's what Steve was just saying at the start. The goal of the Christian life is to love well. It is an adventure. It's something that we should be curious about. When we wake up in the morning, it's like, what could today be? So what do we need to do? I can only tell you about how I try and work this out. So my question when I wake up in the morning, is what do I need to do when I'm, when I'm drinking my first cup of tea, not coffee, is what do I need to do so that I'm better able to love God and love others as I love myself? What are the things I need to do today and every day that are going to help that be true? In my inner life and my outer life. B, 
bearing in mind always that Jesus said, following him, like, they, this was easy. This is light. There's something curious and delightful. There's something quite simple about this. There's something about flow and grace and spaciousness, which was a word that Dave used earlier. I'm really aware that in here there are some people who may have grown up in a type of Christianity where discipleship was like this really heavy thing. You had to read your Bible every day, and if you didn't, you were very, very bad. You had to attend 28 prayer meetings on a Tuesday, and if you didn't, you were shamed. You may have grown up in a system. I didn't, by the way. I didn't grow up in this system. But you may have grown up in a system that felt quite guilt-inducing when you talk about discipleship and things. You may have felt quite crushing to think about this stuff. Which doesn't sound anything like that. My burden's easy and this is light, spacious, curious, fun, an adventure. There's this um, amazing, uh, uh, well, it's two trees. Um, it's in a park in Johannesburg uh, in South Africa. And someone who used to work for Oasis, Audrey Marie, she took me to see this tree. We'd been having a conversation about discipleship and all that stuff. And she showed me this tree and she, we just talked about how this one tree had grown up alongside the other tree and when you looked at the top of the tree, right at the top in all the foliage, it just looked like one tree but at the base you knew that they'd started separately. I wonder for you what you attach yourself to. I wonder what you attach yourself to in the way that you choose to live this life out. For me, I've, um, I begin with like this set of agreements with myself about what I believe about God. I'll just tell you them quickly. The first thing is this. Jill, behold the one beholding you and smiling. That's how I think God looks at me. Behold the one beholding you and smiling. Secondly, I believe that there's like this sacred space between me and every other person I encounter. It's like seeing people differently. Thirdly, God's presence is in and through all things, all of creation. The trees, the bus, the tube, the wall, the everything. God's presence is in all things. Number four, God is always love and love always wins. And fifthly, I'm invited to participate in bringing God's kingdom now. 
practice my agreements. Because those agreements help me understand that I am loved and the invitation in the way of Christ is to love others and to love God as I am loved. Then what? Then what? Because discipleship is not about a set of beliefs. It's about a way. It's about a way of getting dusty with the dust of your rabbi. And I think sometimes it's good to have some practices to just help work that out. That's like trellis for us. Just like in the morning, we make a cup of tea or a coffee and we clean our teeth at a particular moment in our morning routine and we make our bed, or you don't if you're a bad person. And we walk the same route to work and we may even sit on the same, try and sit on the same seat on the bus. And we have all of these things that we do day in, day out. And there are things that we can do, practices that we can have that help us live this way of being dusty with the dust of our rabbi, the rabbi Jesus, the one who talked the way of love. And that is just providing us, those practices are just providing us with trellis. They're just providing us with shape. They're just providing us with the ability to grow so that the foliage looks like it can. They're not a measure of how good or bad I am. They're a support. So what practices? What practices? Because we have to move, I've shown this before, I know for some of you, we have to move from just having a set of beliefs about who God is to engaging in a way of being that brings around transformation, not just for us, but for others as well. Tobin Hart, as an educationalist, describes these six layers of learning. Because it's very easy to reside just in, well, I believe this about who God is. Well, I believe this about who God is. And suddenly, if we're not careful, we make following Jesus about an argument we might have with someone who doesn't. But the following of the way of Jesus, discipleship, is to live the way of Jesus. It's not just having knowledge. It's about moving from knowledge into practice. Practice that creates transformation. And not just for me, but for everybody. So how do I do this? How do I do this? You take, if this is helpful, fabulous. If it's not, tell me how you do it afterwards, okay? The first thing I do is I, I ask this question, how am I doing? I basically do a little self-audit. How am I doing? Am I becoming more or less like the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit Paul wrote about. Am I becoming more like love and patience and kindness and goodness and tenderness and faithfulness and self-control? And I've probably missed one off. Um, am I becoming more of that? How am I really doing? This is a little review thing we use in uh, Across Oasis. Um, 
uh, which is our nine habits, which are based on the fruit of the Spirit. How am I doing? Am I near the middle? Am I nailing it? Or am I a little bit of a way out today? How am I doing? I had to make a phone call to British Gas the other day. Anyone else ever had to make a phone call to British Gas and been kept on hold? Like, you can feel the anger. <laughs> like, they'd made a mistake. They had genuinely, I'm not just passing the buck, they genuinely had made a mistake. And they, you know, you phone up, you go online and it says, uh, you can um, put your message in here and then um, we'll deal with it online by that special little chatbot that if was a real thing, you'd want to punch. Um, and then it says, oh, you actually need to phone this number. So I phone this number, and I'm on hold for about half an hour. Just like, and during that time, I'm just rehearsing the speech, ready for the person who's going to answer my call. I'm increasingly angry, especially when the music stops, and that voice comes in, and it says, you might like to try online, because it'll be quicker. And you're like, oh, you've just told me. I've got to do... Anyway, so anger's rising in me. I'm really furious. And I'm like, this is so annoying. I've got better things to do. Do they not realize who I am? <laughs> and then this voice comes on the phone and it just says, good morning. How can I help you today? <gasps> Thank God I paused. <laughs> I paused. How am I doing? How am I doing in the small things? Because this is where it shows up, this dusty stuff. How am I, am I being more tender? Am I being more self-controlled? How's it showing up? I said something the other day in a meeting at work, and the minute the words came out of my mouth, I just, I did this thing that I see Steve do sometimes, and I sometimes think Steve's praying when he does this in meetings. Sometimes I see Steve do this, just like really squints his eyes in a meeting, and I'm like, he's either really fed up with us, or he's praying or something. And I just, I said this thing in a meeting, and I immediately just put my, bowed my head like this, and squinted my eyes, and I was like, Jill, you are such an idiot. Because I wasn't this. In that moment, I said two words, and in that moment, I'd, I'd missed what I wanted to be. Jesus invites us to a way. And I find that the best thing for me to do to work out how I'm doing in the way is to ask myself questions like this How am I doing? How am I doing? It's in Isaiah 30. It's a great, uh, great statement. Whether you turn to the left or to the right, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. So I'm going to ask you to do something, okay? Don't panic. It's not bad or anything. I want you to have a think for yourself. This looks really neat. This is nicked from Brian McLaren. This looks really neat. Uh, it's always helpful 
to have these things, but we have to acknowledge that our lives and life is integrated and messy. So sometimes when we see things broken up like this, it's like, oh, it's all really simple and siloed. But actually, I just encourage you to understand, if you're anything like me, this all swirls together and is messy, but it's just helpful for us to think about in this way. So I want you to think for yourself, because I find this a useful exercise. How are you doing with these three areas, which I think help us construct the trellis out of which our way of love can come, okay? So the missional, so if you imagine each of those is worth 10 points, okay? And I'm not going to ask you your scores, don't worry. Um, I'm just going to read through a whole load of stuff, and I just want you to look, look at that and go, oh, I'd give myself maybe, I think I'm doing probably a five, so the first one, missional, that's like, it's, it's like the outer life of us. So it's our participating, it's our engaging. You know, you know that stuff Steve just talked about, like those opportunities we have to, to be part of something where we're challenging injustice or we're fighting poverty. It might be volunteering or helping or serving or visiting or supporting. It It might be peacemaking. It might be the act of us forgiving others. It might be us taking part in reconciliation, including, giving, listening. The outer work of our lives. Where would you plot yourself? One to ten. Contemplative. This is, and like I say, these are all messy, this all churns up together, so, but this is like the inner us. Those practices that help us think about um, not having a go at the man at the end of the phone when I phoned the gas board. Or coming to understand more through prayer like Dave led us in so brilliantly earlier. So things like solitude, Sabbath, rest, silence... Studying, prayer, reflection. I don't know if you do any of this stuff. Journaling, stillness, doing the shadow boxing, as Richard Raw calls it, that inner work of who we are. Fasting, but not because it's a cool diet fad. <laughs> or feasting, because it's a celebration. Practicing gratitude. Giving, but in secret. Spiritual direction, meditation. I have little reminders that come up on my computer four times a day. One of them says, speak to someone you don't normally speak to or gravitate towards. That's because I want to challenge myself about inclusion. Comes up at nine o'clock 
just when everyone else is coming into the office. I have one uh, at two o'clock that tells me to build the pause in. Because normally at that point of the day, if I'm not careful, I want to let rip at someone because I haven't taken a break. Do you look like I have these things? What would you give yourself out of ten? Remember, these are all just trellis forming. There's no, like, holy points associated with any of this stuff. They're just trellis. It's like just doing some exercises at a gym or something. And then the last one, communal, that stuff around being together, belonging to a community of faith, walking alongside fellow travellers, journeying together, having conversation together about our faith. Hospitality, being willing to be inconvenienced by one another. Turning up when everything in us doesn't want to. Being available, choosing to belong. Confessing to one another. Learning from one another, asking questions, challenging each other. Mentoring one another. Making ourselves available to other people's lives. And inviting others to mentor us. To walk alongside us. What would you give yourself out of 10. None of this is about perfection. None of it. It's just a way to enable us to live a dustier life. To live the way of the rabbi. For our lives to be the container through which love flows. And I've come to see that my emotions, my reactions, my choices, my behaviors, my intentions, and I'll say it again, my emotions and my reactions, they are all a discipleship issue as well. So Jesus invited us to follow. He invited us to follow. Described himself as the way, the truth, and the life. He invites us to be dusty with this way. And as we do that, we discover a good life. It's like one, two, three, four, five. Right, let's go. Cha, cha, cha. It's like the little girl with that curiosity and thrill and joy 
I've come that you might have life. As you live this way, you will have life and have it in all its fullness. And it shows up in all our decisions, big and small. And it feels like this. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Every practice, every practice is just trellis. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians about, um, it's in the chapter 13, um, where he's talking about love and he says, about if I speak eloquently, if I speak in the tongues of angels, if I have faith that can move mountains, if I give everything I have to the poor, even if I'm martyred, but I don't have love, I'm bankrupt. And what these practices, every single one of them is designed to do is to invite us, to invite us to discover the way of the rabbi, which is the way of love. So I'm going to finish, but I'm going to ask you a question. And you, if you want to, um, you can just think it, your answer. But you may, you may want to mention it to the person sat next to you as you think about it. And this is a question that I'm challenging myself with. What one thing, what one thing could you do to help you grow more deeply into the way of the rabbi and the way of love? What one thing, not 20 things, what one thing?